Welcome to another episode of Brandon Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about the top-ranked boxing series that has been held this summer at the Bubble in the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, and which fighters have stood out to me during this summer series. Now, we know that COVID-19 has severely damaged everyone in this world, ruining everyone's plans and ruining a lot of lives. Us fight fans were desperate and in need of watching something, watching some live fights. Now, thankfully for the top rank, they gave us some nice fights Tuesdays and Thursdays this summer. And starting in June, they had a first card, but fighters had to follow a certain protocol in order to fight on these cards. You know, you can't just walk in and, you know, say, hey, I'm here to fight and that's it. Like a regular, you know, regular fight before COVID-19. Now there are rules that you have to follow if you want to fight in the bubble at MGM Grand in Las Vegas. So here are the rules. Once fighters land in Vegas, teams are transported in a sanitized vehicle to take a PCR test, the results of which will take six hours. If a fighter or anyone on their team tests positive, either at this test or at the test following the weigh-in, he or she is immediately quarantined, and the fight is off. Now, we've seen this damage a couple of fights, man. I mean, Michaela Mayer was the first one that I saw that got canceled because she tested positive for one of the... COVID-19 uh, test that Top Rank had in this bubble, and she felt fine, so I don't know if this is really damaging, um, you know, reputation of this COVID, but, you know, these tests have been, you know, questionable, and a lot of people have been questioning the the COVID testing, period, you know. Well, let's keep going with the protocols that the fighters have to uh, go along with here. If the tests are negative, the team will be allowed to check into the MGM Grand Hotel at a private entrance. They'll be taking up a back elevator to a designated floor in the hotel for top rank. No access will be granted by elevators for other hotel guests. And all movement to and from the floor will come back on a house elevator. When the fighter arrives, he or she will be given a bucket, water bottle, and a jump rope with their name on it to use for the duration of their stay. Upon departure, they can either take the equipment with them or have it discarded. A training schedule at a gym set up in the conference center will be provided, as well as transportation in a sanitized vehicle from the elevator to the convention center. While the gym will be cleaned daily, it is the responsibility of the fighter and his or her team to clean and sanitize after themselves. Everything will be done in the convention center, bubble, meals, training, and the fight themselves. Access to the bubble will be allowed only for those who have a dated and color-coded wristband allowing entry. If anyone leaves the bubble, they have to take another COVID-19 test to re-enter. Masks will be worn at all times except when eating and in the hotel rooms. Now, as you see right there, man, those are some pretty strict uh, protocols that you have to follow in this Las Vegas uh, MGM Grand Hotel. Now, fighters are having a tough time, uh, from what I understand, adjusting to this And, you know, it's different than, you know, a regular going into a regular fight card in any other place where you can just go out, you know, get something to eat. You can't even leave the arena. I mean, you can't even leave the the hotel. You know, you have to stay in your room and it's very boring for these fighters. I mean, even the food is very bland, I've heard from uh, some fighters. So it's it's an adjustment for a lot of these guys, you know, coming into these cards. And, you know, um... They have to follow these rules, you know, point blank, because in order for them to fight 
and to keep getting money and providing food for their family, they're gonna have to, you know, go through this and follow these procedures. Now, not everybody's perfect, and you know, Top Rank is trying their best to, you know, keep these fights going. So I applaud them on that, and you know, I applaud them for taking the first step in boxing and maybe in some major sports more than NBA, MLB, NFL. Uh, you know, for being the first one to take those steps towards, you know, recovery in sports. Uh, also, you know, the fighters going to have an hour in the gym uh, to train. They have their own slot. So every fighter that's on a card, so say there's like uh, five fights on a card, you know, every fighter that's on that card will have um, like their own hour on the gym, you know, to work out and lose some weight. As a normal fight week would be, but you wouldn't, normal fight week, you would fight, uh, you would train in a gym or an area close by to the arena. So say if you're fighting in Madison Square Garden, you would fight in a local gym. I mean, you would train in a local gym in Manhattan. So like Mendez Gym, they use a lot. And, you know, other facilities in Manhattan. So like I said, you know, it's an adjustment period for all these fighters. And they have to test, you know, negative. You know, if they test positive, the fight has have, have to be uh, canceled, you know. Uh, Michaela Myers' fight was canceled. Uh, Jose Pedraza's fight was canceled at first with... um. Lespierre because, you know, Lespierre's manager uh, tested positive. So nobody on your team can uh, test positive for COVID as well. You know, if they test positive, they're going to have to cancel the fight. Just how it goes. Another incident that we saw during this um, bubble uh, in Las Vegas, we saw Josue Vargas from the Bronx, his uh, dad, who was his trainer. He stepped out of the um, Las Vegas hotel trying to get something to... um, eat or drink I, I heard and um you know he couldn't go back into the bubble and he couldn't train his son for the fight and that devastated Josue Vargas you know he was very emotional on tv you know tearing up and saying you know I'm gonna do this for my dad knowing that he can't be here well you have to follow the protocols you know it's a very hard thing to do and you know you have to be disciplined as well luckily Josue Vargas you know performed very well that night and he got the W that's just some of the protocols, you know, that I've seen and um, some fighters have uh, told me about. So uh, let's go into some of the guys that I think, you know, have stood out so far during this summer series. I'm going to go right into the first event, which was in June, June 9th, uh, Tuesday. And a couple of guys, you know, stood out to me during this card. Uh, the first guy that stood out to me was Robesi Ramirez, who his fight only lasted 54 seconds, man, and... Uh, he put on a great performance, man. He knocked out a guy uh, named Yuregi Andujar. And this fight took place in the featherweight division. And Roberto Ramirez was just putting on this guy, you know. Um, devastating combinations. And, you know, the Cuban looked really good this fight. And he took a step forward, you know, to recovering after losing his pro debut, which was very unexpected. Another guy on this June 9th card that um, impressed me was Jared Anderson. You know, he looked very, very solid, you know. Only his uh, third professional fight, and he's a heavyweight, and a lot of people are expecting big things out of this guy, being the next uh, American superstar at the heavyweight division, Jared Anderson. And he won by a TKO in the third round of a six-round bout against Johnny Langston, who was 8-2. and two. I mean, 8-1. and one. I mean, 7-1 at that point, actually. My fault. He was 7-1 and one at that point. And then, uh, I mean, 8-1 and one at that point. My fault. He was 8-1 and one at that point, and now he's 8-2. and two. So Jared Anderson, you know, great performance, and you know the kids got a lot of upside, 
And a lot of people are saying he's the next big thing at heavyweight for the Americans. And the main event and the guy for me on the first card that, you know, really stole the show and, you know, showed his caliber to me was Shakur Stevenson. Who, for his first fight at 130 pounds, a super featherweight division, he looked very dominant, taking on Felix Caraballo from Mayaguez, Puerto Rico, with a record of 13-1 and and two draws Caraballo had. And, you know, Shakur just dominated from the first bell. I mean, Shakur Stevenson has the goods, in my opinion. I think he's going to be an all-time great. I'm saying it now, and I've told many people this before. This kid is hes special, man. I mean, the way he fights in that ring, the way he controls distance, the way he boxes, the way his defense is. He's an Olympian. Um, you know, he's got everything, man. He's got the tools to be an all-time great, and I just think he's already on that path. With only uh, 13 fights, he looks phenomenal. And, you know, his defense stands out. He doesn't get hit a lot in his fights. I mean, I think the most he ever got hit in a fight was, I think, around like 30 or 40 punches. And shit, that's a lot. I mean, that's a little bit for, you know, that's a little bit to take in a fight. You know? So this guy has great defense. A lot of people are comparing him to Floyd Mayweather. Uh, I don't see the Floyd Mayweather comparisons yet. Especially um, since Shakur is a Southpaw and Floyd was an Orthodox fighter. You know, that's one uh, difference that I see. Um, I also thought Floyd uh, banged a little more. I think he's got a little bit more. Uh, Floyd had a little bit more natural pop at this uh, 130 and 135 pound division than Shakur has. I think Shakur has just a little bit more defense and more finesse in his game. And, you know, his defense is way better than I think Floyd had at that point so far. But, you know, hey, anything can change. You know, Shakur's still a very young man. And he's only going to get better with time, man. That's a name to watch. Shakur Stevenson out of Newark, New Jersey. And, you know, a lot of people are very high on him. I'm very high on him. And, you know, hey, he already won a title at 126. And he's looking to win another title at 130. He's been calling out a lot of names. I've seen him on Twitter calling out Miguel Burchelt, uh, even Jamel Herring, Oscar Valdez. You know, he's been calling out a lot of guys. And a lot of guys, you know, they don't want to fight him because he's a big risk, even at his young age. They just know the talent is there. And he impressed me that first fight card, man. Okay, the second fight the second fight card took place on June eleventh. And that was on that Thursday of that week. And uh fight uh, not really many fighters stood out to me in this card. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh one guy that really stood out was uh, Gabriel Muratala, who's a preschool teacher, and you know, that's his main job. But boxing, he wants to make boxing his uh career. You know, his his main job, and he won by TKO in the first round. Um, he won by TKO in the first round at 118 pounds. You know, the fight is at bantamweight, so he looked very good, and he's only two and zero, and he looked very good and opening a lot of eyes. Another fight that uh that um, impressed a lot of people and was a very good action fight to me was Adam Lopez versus Luis Correa. Now, this fight, uh, Adam Lopez got the decision on majority decision. You know, a lot of people on Twitter and on the internet were saying that Correa should have won or should have been a draw and Lopez won. You know, it was very split. And Lopez was a featherweight at uh, 126, has a record of 13-2 and two and zero draws. He looked very uh, solid this fight. Um... I would like to see him improve his defense a little more. You know, he gets hit way too much for a guy that um, depends on his boxing ability, who's not really a big popper, uh, not a guy with a lot of power. 
You know, uh, he looked uh, he looked solid. You know, he has a great jab. He has a great trainer and Buddy McGritt. And, you know, he's got a solid upside. And he's going to have a lot of uh, big fights because he always brings uh, good action to his fights. And a lot of fights that I've seen him before and with Oscar Valdez. And um, he even beat one of my guys, uh, Gene Rivera, Chapito Rivera, a young Puerto Rican prospect. And Adam Lopez stopped him. You know, it looked very good, that fight. So... He's a guy that, you know, can shock a lot of people, and he's going to give you a great fight no matter what, you know. So Adam Lopez really did look good this card to me. Uh, the main event of that card was Jesse Magdaleno versus Yenifel Vicente, and Magdaleno won by a DQ in the 10th round. And uh, Magdaleno didn't really impress me this fight. Um, he was very um, trigger shy to me, and he didn't let his hands go. But, you know, nothing less. He got the job done. He he knocked the guy down in, uh, I believe, the first or second round. And, you know, he got the job done. That's the most important. So the guy that stole the, stole the night for me was um, Adam Lopez and Gabriel Muratala on June 11th. Now, the next car was June 16th on Tuesday. And that card included an upset that really... Um, that really stole the show for me, and I was very happy because I'm not very big on Joshua Greer, and he lost that fight, and he got dropped twice by an unknown fight, not an unknown fighter, but the B-side fighter, Mike Plania, who's 23-1 and one now, and zero draws, and he beat Joshua Greer, who was the favorite at 22-1 and one with one draw. So, you know, Mike Plania got it done, and he got the majority decision, and I'm very happy for him, you know. He looked very solid, and um, that's a good way as well. Super Bantam, you know, there's a lot of names there. And Joshua Greer, he's a very cocky fighter, so he got humbled that night. You know, he always brings out the pillow and says night-night to his opponents. Uh, you know, he got dropped twice, you know, and he didn't drop Plania. He didn't hurt Plania at all this fight. So Joshua Greer got a lot of um, improvements to make if he wants to take that next step and developing into a world champ. So that that card, uh, I think Plania stole the show. The undercard wasn't really um, all that to me. It was a lot of UDs and um, all the other fights just went. To, all the fights this card went the distance, man. And you know nobody really stood out to me. Just uh, Mike Plania getting the upset over Josh Greer. Now the next card was June eighteenth, that Thursday, and this card was pretty solid, man. Um, had a lot of names that a couple people know of, you know. Um, Clay Collard, you know, who's a guy who is, uh, what do you, how do you call this guy, man? He's a guy who comes to beat the odds, you know, and he's a guy who beats prospects up, you know. And he got an upset over David Kaminsky, who was 6-0 and at the time. And Clay Collard is 6-2 and with three draws. And Clay Collard beat uh, David Kaminsky pretty convincingly, man. He was just ripping shots, and he got the decision over Kaminsky. And Clay Collard was rewarded now. He's going to be fighting uh, in another car, I believe, July 21st. And he'll be back on the ESPN Top Rank Series again. So shout out to him. You know, hey, this is an opportunity for you. You got to take advantage of it. And that's what he did. He took advantage of that opportunity and he defeated another prospect who was undefeated in David Kaminsky. Now, the main event was the one that stole the show to me. Uh, Gabriel Flores Jr., who was 17-0. and and he fought a guy at 21 and 2 and 3 in Jose Ruiz. And Gabriel Flores dominated from the first bell, man. This fight took place in the lightweight division, but uh, I believe Flores is more of a 130 pounder because he weighed in at 132. 
So he's going to be a junior lightweight or a super, um, super featherweight guy. You know, uh, Flores will campaign at that weight, 130, I believe. And he won a unanimous decision, but he looked very sharp, man. I mean, his jab looked very good. He's a very quick fighter and a young kid as well. And a lot of people aren't mentioning him as one of the you know, top young fighters in the sport right now. But I, I think he's a ki- good kid we got to keep an eye on. Um, Gabriel Flores out of Stockton, California. He looked very sharp. Uh, the one thing that he lacks is power. But maybe that'll uh, grow with time. You know, I think he's he's got great speed and he got great angles. And uh, he looked very sharp this fight. He dropped Josec Ruiz in um, the round, uh, fourth round, I believe. And he looked very impressive. And Top Rank is already talking about some big names coming up for him in the near future. So um, th- the Thursday, uh, June 18th card, Gabriel Flores Jr. definitely stole the show for me. So keep an eye out on him. Very complete young fighter, man. Okay, the next card took place on June twenty third. This one was uh this one was one of my favorite cards um because it had one of my guys fighting on him and Christopher Pitufo Diaz, a featherweight out of Puerto Rico, was taking on Jason Sanchez, fifteen and one out of uh, Mexico, and this fight was really good, man. I mean, a lot of people thought Sanchez would test Christopher Diaz and. Christopher Diaz just walked right through Sanchez, man. I mean, he dominated from the first bell. To me, I thought uh, Christopher Pitufo Diaz only lost like maybe one or two rounds the most. And he won a unanimous decision. And he looked very sharp this fight, man. Christopher Diaz, man, he looks very good now um, under the tutelage with Freddie Roach. He's, he's improved a lot ever since he lost to Shakur Stevenson. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, doubted Christopher Diaz in this fight, but he he proved the doubt was wrong, and he looked very good. And he's looking for a title shot now at the featherweight division or at the 122-pound division, which is the junior featherweight division. Um, you know, there's a lot of vacant titles at 126 and at 122. So, you know, Christopher Diaz is going to have a title shot very soon. I know that, uh, speaking to him personally. And, you know, hopefully he gets that title shot, and hopefully he shines, man, you know, because he looked very, very sharp this uh, this fight with Jason Sanchez. Great jab, great left hook, great right hand, you know. He had it all this night, and, you know, hopefully for him, you know, he keeps getting better and keeps improving each fight because, you know, he could uh, be a good fighter for Puerto Rico, you know. And he's a good good guy to keep an eye out on, a lot of power, very humble kid as well, you know. And he's just trying to, you know, provide for his family like, you know, any other fighter would. So Christopher Diaz, to me, uh, stole the show that night. On June 23rd in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, the next card was June 25th, that Thursday. And another one of my guys uh, stole the show that night, in my opinion. Uh, Orlando Gonzalez, El Chuldo de Oro. As he defeated Luis Perozo, who was 15 and 2 at that point. And Orlando Gonzalez, who won the fight, was four, is 14 and 0. And he won by unanimous decision, but, you know, he knocked the Perozo down twice. And Perozo was very, very dirty, man. I mean, the guy was holding on almost every exchange, you know. Um, he was holding on and he was running. You know, he didn't want to fight. It looked like a guy that just didn't want to fight at all with Gonzalez. But Orlando Gonzalez showed his grit and he showed he has great inside game. And, you know, he knocked him down twice, once with a body shot and once with a big left hand. Uh, at 
the end of the round, which hurt him. I think if um, Orlando Gonzalez would have dropped Perozo a little earlier, I think he would have got him out of there um, in that second round where he dropped him. And even in that um, ninth or tenth round where he dropped him again, I think he would have got him out of there again if the um, you know if there was more time left. But you know, a solid performance for Orlando Gonzalez. You know, and Perozo is the naturally a bigger guy. You know, he's fought at one thirty five before, and he came into the fight. You know. Very big, you know, and this is a good test for Orlando Gonzalez. And top rank is very high on him as one of the better prospects from Puerto Rico. And at 126 pounds, like I said with Christopher Pitufo Diaz, there's a lot of open titles and vacancies that, you know, they can go after. So Orlando Gonzalez is another eye, another kid you have to keep an eye out on, especially top rank supporting him. And we'll hear news about his next fight coming up soon, you know. All right, that's that's the guy who stole the stole the night for me on that card, and then on June thirtieth was the next card, and this was oh this was a good one. Uh, Josue Vargas looked very good. He looked very sharp against Salvador Briseño, and Josue Vargas is sixteen and one out of the Bronx, at one hundred forty pounds. You know a lot of people know Josue Vargas. You know he used to train at the Mayweather gym. He's from the Bronx. Um, the kid's got a nice uh, boxing style, and he looked very sharp this fight from the opening bell. And he won a unanimous decision, you know, very easily over Salvador Briseño. Also on this card was super lightweight uh, John Bauza, who's another 140-pounder. And he's 13-0 from Catania, Puerto Rico. And he defeated Lawrence James Friars, who was 11-2. And, and Bauza won by unanimous decision. He looked very sharp. He's another southpaw. Him and Vargas are, you know, both southpaws and... They have great boxing styles. They both lack a little bit of power, which um, I don't know if it will hurt them. But at that weight, you're going to have to carry a good punch because at 140, there's some heavy hitters. And, you know, I think these guys are going to maybe have trouble in uh, stepping up the competition. But for now, they're improving each fight and they look very good. They look sharp this night and hopefully they get better. Now, the guy that stole the show for me uh, was Alex Saucedo. He looked very sharp as well. At 140 pounds, another guy who fights at that division. And he defeated Sonny Fredrickson, a unanimous decision. Ten rounds, and he went the distance, but he looked very sharp. This didn't look like the Alex Salcedo of old who gets hit a lot and, you know, lacks defense. He actually had a little bit more movement and more defensive reflexes than we've seen before. And we know Salcedo packs a punch. He's got a lot of power. He like He doesn't lack um, power, so... You know, he showed that that night that he can have a very versatile game. So Alex Sosedo is a good guy, you know, to look at at 140 pounds. And he stole the show to me on uh, that June 30th card in Las Vegas. Now, the next card and who stole the show for that one on July 2nd. This was a very good card as well, man. And Elvis Rodriguez, who's a super lightweight and he's undefeated. Looked very sensational, man. The first round, he dropped, he knocked out Danny Murray. And Elvis Rodriguez is Dominican Republic bred, and he knocked the guy out with a jab. I mean, so the kid is sharp, and he's a very good prospect to keep an eye out, out of the Dominican Republic. He fights at 140 pounds, 6-0 with one draw, and he trains with Freddie Roach as well. So, you know, that's a guy to keep an eye out, and he looked very sharp this night, man. And shout out to him. He's a very good fighter. I'm very... um. High on him. I think he's going to do big things in the near future. Again, very young. Only uh, seven pro fights in. So 
Let's see how he does. But he's a guy, a guy to keep an eye out on. Also on this card was Robesi Ramirez, who, who fought again uh, after fighting in the first card in June. He came back, and he fought the guy that beat him in his pro debut, Adam Gonzalez. And Robesi Ramirez reversed the script. He won this fight by unanimous decision, a uh, six-rounder. And he got his revenge from his pro debut, you know. Under the tutelage of Ismael Salas, his new trainer, he looked very sharp as a pro, you know. Uh, good angles, um, good jab, good body work. One thing I think Ramirez has to work a little bit more on is his activity, you know. He likes um, a lot of activity, just not throwing enough punches in the pro game. Um, but he did improve with uh, Ismael Salas. And hence, he beat the guy that beat him in his debut. So he got revenge, and he was very he was very excited to get that win over Adam Gonzalez. Now, the guy to me who uh, stole the show on this card was Jose Sniper Pedraza, um, a junior welterweight at 140 pounds, fought Michael Lespierre from the Bronx, and Pedraza dominated from the first bell, man. I mean, it was a great, great performance that Pedraza put on, and he looked very sharp, man. The sniper, as they call him, a uh, very accurate pinpoint boxer, fights on the outside, uses the jab, great combinations. You know, doesn't have the best pop in the world, but he can drop you if you make a mistake. And, you know, he dropped Les Pierre in this fight. And in this fight, Les Pierre, um, they called it a uh, drop, but he didn't drop Pedraza because they, this is the first time I've seen a replay being used in boxing. And a lot of people are talking about this replay, if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I personally thought it was a bad thing because they were looking at the the replay when uh, the fighters were coming out for the next round. I mean, so that can slow a lot of momentum down in a fight, especially if you're you're running hot, you know, and you slow down by taking time out and looking at a replay. So, you know, boxing just has to fix that. I mean, the replay, they should have done it in between the rounds, you know. Look at it right there and see, make a decision. They reversed the call. It wasn't a drop. It wasn't a knockdown. So Pedraza got... Uh, lucky on that one, and he won a unanimous decision, uh, ten rounder, and he's taking a step forward in uh, the one forty pound division, looking to fight for a title again. He's a two weight uh, division champ, so he won a title at one thirty and one thirty five, and he's a very good fighter because he gives um some big names tough fights. He gave Lomachenko a very good fight. Uh, he lost to Devante Davis um at one hundred thirty pounds, but you know anybody that knows Pedraza. Knows he's not a natural 130-pounder. He's a very tall guy. So, you know, 35 and up is a better weight class for him. And, you know, let's see what Pedraza has in the next fight. I, I would love to see Pedraza fight the guy that I thought looked good uh, the card before in Alex Salcedo. I would love to see that fight personally at 140. I think style, the two styles would mesh well. You know, one boxer and one aggressor. It would look very good um in the ring. And I think the better man would win that night, like I said. So, yeah, Pedraza shined that night on uh, July 2nd in Las Vegas. Now, the next card took place on July the 7th, which was, hmm, this was this week that just passed. And um, to me, the man who stole the show, uh, not really stole the show, but, you know, uh, Got it done was Luis Alberto Lopez Vargas. You know, he upset Andy Vences, who was the favorite in this fight, on a split decision. Now, I personally thought Vences did enough to win the fight. Um, He was more active. Uh, he landed the crisper shots to me. 
but nothing less, they gave it to Luis Alberto Lopez Vargas. And this Lopez Vargas guy, he he hurt Vences a couple of times in this fight. So, you know, it wasn't like Vences dominated him. You know, Vences looked out on his legs on one of the rounds when um Lopez landed a very big uppercut. So yeah, man, um Lopez got that decision and he's now twenty and two in the one hundred thirty pound division of super featherweights. And Andy Vences, man, with that loss, you know, top rank is looking at him like Maybe they might cut him out of the roster. You know, he might not be a part of top rank no more. He might become a free agent after that performance. You know, there's not enough. There's not a lot of value out of Andy Vences anymore. You know, there's a lot of people were high on him, and you know, he's very he's disappointed a lot of people. So shout out to Luis Alberto Lopez for getting the job done and you know upsetting Andy Vences, even though I thought he lost. <laughs> but you know, that's that's boxing, man, and. You know, upsets are bound to be happening. All right, and the last card that took place this week was Thursday, July 9th. And the man that stole the show to me was Carlos Castro, a 126-pounder, a featherweight, who was 25-0 now. And he defeated Cesar Juarez, who was 25-8. And And he defeated this guy in a stoppage in the fourth round. And he, he looked very sharp, this Carlos Castro kid. I mean... Throwing some nasty body shots, crisp combinations. Um, he looked very sharp, and this is a guy, you know. Hey, possible opponents, like I said, for uh, Christopher Pitufo Diaz, uh, maybe Orlando Gonzalez. You know, the featherweight division is loaded, and Carlos Castro looked very sharp, man, and he's definitely going to be in that title shot, and that um, he's he's ranked very high on the WBO, WBC, WBA. IBF, you know, all these, he's ranked very high. So, you know, maybe he gets a title shot at 126 or 122. You know, he came into this fight at 123 and a three quarter. So I think he can make 122 easily, especially, you know, during the COVID where, you know, guys aren't, you know, training like they usually do. So I think Castro, man, sky's the limit for him, man. He's a good guy to keep an eye out on. Carlos Castro, he stole the show to me uh, this week, July 9th. And, you know, a couple cards that's coming up this week um, to keep an eye out on is uh, July 14th is uh, Jamel Herring. Um, he's defending his WBO 130-pound title against uh, Jonathan Okendo. That's the main event that night. Uh, I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, I think Jamel Herring has the tools to win it, though. No, I'm picking him. Uh, I think he's going to win by a unanimous decision over um, Jonathan Okendo. Um, and also on July 16th is uh, the return of Felix Verdejo, who was fighting uh, Will Madeira. And that's going to be a 10-round bout in the lightweight division. Um, so if Verdejo wins, you know, he's just getting closer to a title shot. He's just, he's ranked very high in uh, WBC. He's top 15. and uh, WBO, he's 13th, you know, so he's right there. You know, he's a couple wins away from a title shot. And hopefully we see Verdejo bounce back. You know, as a lot of people had a lot of expectations on him i'm still a believer in him and i think he'll bounce back um nothing much and that's it for today's episode guys thanks for tuning in and we're out